to Women Leaders in the Courts, a new program created and produced by the New York State Judicial Institute. I'm John Carr, Senior Advisor for Strategic and Technical Communications. The Women Leaders in the Courts program features interviews with just a few of the many, many remarkable women who sustain one of the largest and most complex court systems in the nation, if not the entire world. Today, we're joined by Christine Cesario, the Director of Technology for the New York State Unified Court System. Christine has been working on technology in the court system for over 26 years. She's a graduate of SUNY Geneseo. Christine also has a master's degree in public administration from Marist College. She started with the Office of Court Administration back in 1995 as a network administrator, helping to roll out CourtNet, a statewide private network used for all of our communications and shared computer systems. She then rejoined the court system in 2014 after 14 years as a director of technology for the Center for Court Innovation. She was promoted to director of technology in November 2018. Christine, thank you for joining us. First, what does the court system director of technology do? Well, the director of technology is overall responsible for every bit of equipment that we use court system wide. And by that, I mean not just computers, but I also mean all of the telephones, all of the recording equipment that is used in the courtrooms, such as the FTR system. Uh, we supply all of the computer equipment to all of the town and village courts statewide. Um, we maintain the entire network, and that means a lot of behind the scenes uh, dealing with different vendors of uh, negotiating the lines on which all of our data runs around the state. Uh, we also write our own computer applications here. So all of the case management systems used by every court in the state, and that includes the town and village courts as well, is all written in-house by our own staff. We have um, probably over 50 programmers here on staff and a number of analysts, dozens of analysts that uh, get to know the business of the courts. Um, we have folks that man a help desk and they answer all of the questions um, seven days a week that come in from all over the state to answer questions. Uh, currently during the COVID outage, we're also handling, there's a public COVID hotline uh, phone number that the public can call. It's advertised on our website. And uh, my staff is actually staffing all of the um, calls that come into that. And that is also seven days a week until uh, late into the evening every day. Um, and that's, you know, that's the basics of what everything that we have to support every day. That's an awful lot of moving parts. So what is a typical day or is there any such thing as a typical day in, in your life? Well, in my life, um, I'm really working with the other managers on my staff quite frequently, checking in, um, having to see what's going on with new assignments that we've got, um, new legislation that gets passed that we have to do technological work for. Uh, so I spend a lot of time meeting with my folks. I'm not, I'm sometimes sad that I'm not doing the hands-on work anymore that I used to do in my previous positions. Um, but I'm making sure everything just keeps moving and uh, any outstanding questions we have or legal issues, we're looping in the other offices here within the court system, such as counsel's office, the courts themselves. Um, I also deal with uh, all of our administrators, um, 
anything going on that I need to help support, I'm always available to them and meet regularly. Uh, again, with COVID, there are daily meetings now just because everything moves so, so very quickly. Uh, daily, I'm in several meetings with folks uh, such as the DCAJ offices, both outside and inside New York City, um, and lots of other administrative meetings throughout the day, in addition to still keeping up with my own staff's workload. So um, it's a lot of meetings. I bet it is. I want to follow up on something you said that, that surprised me a little bit. You mentioned that legislation mm -hmm. has an impact on our uh, operations technologically. Why is that? Why is that? Well, uh, here's a good example. Uh, two, I think we've, it was two years ago there was legislation passed for the criminal justice reform in the state that um, a lot of people know about. It's often referred to as bail reform. And it had in there a requirement that there would be electronic notifications for everyone who has an upcoming court appearance in a criminal court. And we built that. We built that whole thing ourselves, uh, how it works. It sends out um, electronic messages to people to remind them to come to court, text messages, does robocalls, it sends emails. We also have a contract with a vendor that sends out regular snail mail letters to people that's also used by our jury office. So there's a lot of technological impact uh, with legislation, a lot of it is reporting and posting stats on our website as well. Often um, really impacts our court research group, but it has to do with the data we collect in our system. So sometimes we have to change our systems or adapt our systems to be able to meet the legislation uh, and its requirements. So there's constant, constant work going on in that regard. I didn't realize that. And I have to wonder if the legislators who draft the legislation um, under, understand the impact it has in that regard? Well, we do our best to really bug everyone to let us know beforehand, before it passes, uh, so that we can give our feedback. Uh, in fact, I'm attending a meeting, I believe tomorrow morning, about a new round of proposed legislation that is all about technology and automated translations. And I'll be interested to see um, where that ultimately lands. But I'm part of a group of people reviewing and providing feedback to the legislature, which is wonderful because we like to have that opportunity to weigh in ahead of time. Speaking of bugs, you also mentioned in passing the coronavirus and uh, obviously that's impacted all of our lives. But could you speak a little more about how it has impacted the court system from a technical mm -hmm. uh, point of view? Well, it's safe to say it's not 100% about technology, but it's a pretty high percent uh, about technology since we went from in-person court appearances in courthouses to everyone doing court appearances virtually using our in-house video conferencing software called Skype for Business, all within a very short time frame. And that involved my department uh, making sure that there was enough equipment out there, that all the judges, all the clerks, um, all of the court staff who needed to support the operations of the courts to go virtual, that all of them had laptops. We shipped um, over a short amount of time, over 3,000 laptops out around the state. Um, we also have had to make sure that Skype is set up and working properly. So we have an in-house uh, Skype support group that takes calls from attorneys and litigants, as well as our own internal staff to support them and help them to make sure they know what they're doing before they have to call into their court date. Um, and there's often technological problems 
that they're experiencing. So we help them through it and make sure they're comfortable and know what they're doing. Uh, we also, so that everyone could work from home, had to very quickly adapt our uh, what's called VPN or virtual private network so that everyone can connect over the internet and come in privately to our court network uh, without any security risks. And we had to very quickly adjust the whole setup and hosting of that so that we could have unlimited concurrent connections and uh, make sure everyone was still able to do all of their work that they needed to do. As one of those who's been working from home using the VPN and occasionally relying on your staff when I couldn't figure something out, I have to say that they've been absolutely phenomenal. That's super helpful, super prompt, and everything that would have gotten done in the office is getting done in my basement. Thanks and thanks and no small measure to your people. Now, um, there was a time when women were not encouraged and maybe were discouraged from pursuing careers in technology. Um, what led you in that less than traditional on that less than traditional path? Um, well, I don't really have the world's most exciting or interesting story there. Um, it, it may have just been uh, luck of the timing of when I went to college. Uh, I was not really sure when I went to college. This was in the, the mid '80s what I wanted to study, what I wanted to end up doing for a living. And I was taking all kinds of different things. And in my senior year, uh, the, the business school actually introduced a new major, which was um, information systems, management information systems degree. And already I had the majority of the credits for that. And it was all the things I liked. Um, there was certainly technology involved. There were programming classes required, and I was always taking those just because I liked them. Um, but also other aspects uh, such as public speaking, a lot of math classes, a lot of business management classes, um, preparing you not just for the technical aspect, but for you know kind of a bigger picture aspect of it all. And really before that, I, I honestly think the only real technology degrees out there were like a general computer science or a programming degree. Um, so it just sort of fell into the areas I was best at and that I liked the best. And from there, I've always had jobs exactly in that in that round of, of classes that I took as an undergrad. And then uh, once I started working at OCA um, through a program they had, I uh, got my master's degree and OCA supported some of that and I'm forever grateful and I got my master's in public administration so clearly I'm still doing what I went to school for very happy about that that's good to hear now did, did you encounter any gender related pushback as a in in your field of technology or as a female administrator in your career or more importantly in the court system well certainly not in the court system um I think Certainly folks who work in the private sector, and I had a very, very brief amount of time in the private sector, and even there it was in technology, and I had no issues whatsoever as far as my gender or or, or anything at all. Um, but in the public sector, uh, I feel that the gender issue is not an issue, and that women, there are so many uh, women that are in senior positions here in the court system, thus this interview series you're doing, which is wonderful. And uh, I've never been discouraged. I've never had any pushback. Um, I hesitate to say I've been lucky because I don't like it when people say luck. There's, um, I've been fortunate. I've been very fortunate that I haven't experienced any issues. 
perhaps I'm in the minority, but uh, many of my of my colleagues, we often discuss that uh, being in technology and being female really hasn't been an issue for us. Now you've been in the working world a long time, and my guess is you've had managers, administrators who were outstanding, and you've had managers, administrators who were less than outstanding. In your mind, male or female, what distinguishes a good manager from a not so good manager? Well, I think a good manager is somebody who is seeing themselves as part of the team, part of that whole group, not their uh, dictator, not the person who just lays down the law and doesn't uh, listen to others in the group. So I've always felt that those that have um, solicited my feedback and the feedback of others who've been collaborative in their in their process who are respectful who are um, not really assuming they know it all and and understand that you that no one person can know it all so here in my position for example i'm not a programmer i'm not someone who has all the expertise in many of the things we do around here but the people that are the experts in that area, I 100% trust. I have to call on them to help me answer questions, to help us make decisions about how we move forward. I couldn't do it by myself even if I wanted to. Um, and I just think that, that being respectful and collaborative are probably the two words I would, I would use to say that make the best, the best recipe for a good manager. It sounds like you're saying respectful, collaborative, and secure enough to uh, yield, yield to those below you who may know more about a particular topic. I've never pretended that I know more than anybody, so <laughs> um, exactly, yes. Let me uh, switch gears a little bit. You're a, you're a mother with two young children. Mm -hmm. Are the work plus family obligations and expectations different for a, a woman than a man? Perhaps when your kids are really, really young, I think they are. Um, I, I was fortunate I was able to take a good amount of time off. I have twins, so um, that right after you have twins, you need to take a good chunk of time off just to adjust to, to that whole process. Um, and I did I was able to have a more flexible schedule early on when they were when they were babies. Um, and I think for a lot of women, depending on uh, their responsibilities at home and how things go, um, it can be very difficult to balance all of it. I, I think anyone has a hard time balancing a full-time, big, demanding job and being a good parent and being a good spouse and, and so on. And I would say that same answer would apply to many husbands in the world, but uh, it, it can be very hard. And I think there are days when it's, when it's awful and there are days when it's really, really easy. It's, it's, uh, it's a day-by-day -day thing. Now, you've been with a court system a long time. Um, as a woman department head, what do you know now that you wish you'd known then? I wish I knew, uh, similar to what I said a few minutes ago, nobody knows everything. There isn't, um, there isn't somebody who is watching everything you do every second of the day because everybody has something else more important to do. They've given you a job, they've trusted you to do it, they've trusted you to do a good job, and as long as you do that, you're in good shape, and you shouldn't worry so much, you should just work your hardest and work your best, and and uh, your career moves forth. And, you know, occasionally you have to advocate for yourself. Um, 
But overall, I would say that relax. And if you don't love what you're doing, go find another job. <laughs> Good advice. Christine, thank you so much for your time. And uh, please stay safe and healthy. We really can't afford to be without you. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate this opportunity for the interview.